Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah. Yes, he's back. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 212 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Bit of a mix and match week this week. We had a business meeting last week, spoke to uh, AJ and TK on Thursday maybe, so it's a Harper at the weekend. We have neglected some of our listeners from across the pond when we first started the podcast, it was founded on the fact that we cover sports both in England and America. So we're going to drift him back to that. Still predominantly football. We're not trying to uh, ditch Alex and Jack just yet. But <laughs> we're going to make certainly make sure we spread things out a bit more evenly. So maybe have a bit more of a mix than... Uh, Spurs not winning trophies, Frank being sacked, Arsenal being 13th. So we'll mix it up a bit more. That's still our bread and butter. You can't go wrong with that. Exactly. New to the week, we'll stay. So, big week this week. And we'll start off. Richmondshire council boss issues stay-home COVID warning from his holiday in the Maldives. (laughs) Quite a common thing from celebrities, this, isn't it? Yeah. Incredible. Dua Lipa put that whole video out with several million hits when she was on a plane a day later and her boyfriend is an anti-vaxxer, so. Jesus. But when you're a dime like that, you can get away with an awful lot. (laughs) (laughs) Florida teacher allegedly sprayed students not wearing masks properly with disinfectant and now faces felony charges. what, What would the charges be? Well, I mean, they are toxic chemicals that this teacher is squirting at students, so... That is true. And I imagine there's all sorts. <laughs> Stuff around bleach it. Would be very effective, though, if this was what happened now for all people who didn't wear masks properly. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, no one likes wearing a mask. They just wear it. It's not hard. I mean, yeah, try having your glasses steam up. It's an absolute nightmare. It's <laughs> that window defog you can get for your car where you rub it on. The window's never messed up. Well, windscreen wipers to glasses is a business plan of mine, but it is just slightly behind uh, funerals whilst alive, which uh, me and Shooter are hoping to take to market. 
Um, company comes under fire for finding employees who use the toilet more than once per day. Oh, I, I was when I worked in retail when I was like eighteen. I was in that toilet for <laughs> two hours a shift. I reckon if I was working in a <laughs> if you accumulate, I'd go and sit in there for like fifteen minutes every hour because there is absolutely no way that they can have a go at you for it. Like, and I really took it to the extreme to the point where my managers hated me. But I was like, well, gotta go, it's gotta go. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a I used break machine. I used to ring the bell about nine o'clock on my uh, early morning shifts at the co-op and go have a nice uh, 15, 20 minute poo and have someone there on the till. And oh, then I was refreshed. I wasn't actually going to the loo, I was just sat there on my phone. Wow. I was, I was a trailblazer as well because no one else did it. I, I remember being on, on the till um, the night, the, sorry, the, the, the day after the first party we had um, in year 12. Was it year 13? Year 13, maybe, when we were older. But I remember the, the worst alcohol poo I've ever had. I remember thinking, if I don't get off this till now, we're going to be in trouble here. <laughs> I was stood behind the till and I thought, I actually can't feel my legs. I didn't know if I could move. See, I used to do it as well when I used to get customers that I'd known, that I'd served them before when I was, like, this when I worked at PC World Coers. And like, I'd sold them a laptop and I'd like fleece them on something. I'd sold them like, antivirus when they didn't need it or insurance when they didn't need it. I'd see them like walking back through the doors a week after I served them originally. I was like, do not want this smoke. So I just go and hide in the toilet. And I'll come think, back out 15 minutes later. And if they were still there, I'll just go back in and hide. I think we've told this on here before, but the first time I actually met Rory was on a night out through Keenan. And um, the next day he was working in retail. It was in a supermarket. And um, he actually threw up on the till while serving someone. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, police officer is mistaken for a stripper at a legal swingers party. That's Straight so out of the movies. Came, they came to break it up and uh, apparently the woman came on to the policeman who had to tell him, no, this, this is real. <laughs> In Argentina. A Canadian woman walked husband on a leash to get around curfew rules. You could go for a dog walk, and she thought that she could get away with that. She's a genius. <laughs> um, I've got plenty of uh, animal news this week, as as we've got um, cops run for li- cops run for life after angry pigs enter Pakistan police station. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, and there's an obvious uh, pigs reference there. If you're going to be one of those people that. Uh, Tries to give it a big one when a police car drives past, but in this case, angry pigs have taken over a Pakistani police station, so yeah. be afraid. What you do then is deploy Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can see how many you can take. Um, Japanese fisherman uses karate skills to fight off a bear. <laughs> Investigation after Nazi monkey appears in Russian circus. <laughs> Nazi monkey. 
Yeah, they, they say this like they just uncovered the monkey's beliefs. It's <laughs> this um, this, circus, it, this, this circus is is dressing dressed a monkey up in um, like Nazi army uniform, and then when they were pulled up on it, they try playing the. I honestly don't know where he got that. <laughs> Indian man sells military secrets in return for nudes to foreign spy agency. <laughs> this is actually quite a big story, and he's just been saying, like, look, I got a bit carried away. I, I, I apologise. I know I've let a lot of people down. <laughs> carried away? <laughs> um Tory mayoral candidate Sean Bailey says there's no reason that the homeless can't save five grand for a house deposit. Oh my God. What? <laughs> Alex's boys. What? Getting Blimey. any kind of support of your homeless is like ridiculously hard. On my many nights where I've been absolutely steaming, I've given a homeless person like a fiver and then they've like wanted to be my best mate. And then we get talking, and it turns out like you can't write off debt if you don't have a fixed abode. So if you're like eight grand in debt from rent arrears to be made homeless, you can't declare yourself bankrupt, which only costs 150 quid to do. But you can't declare yourself bankrupt if you don't have a home. So they're like stuck in this horrible debt-ridden life for ages. So I do query that Tory mayoral candidate's credentials. <laughs> Sean Bailey. Spell uh, S H A U N if uh, that if gives you an indication to the type of Sean. If a pissed up guy can find that out in about five minutes from talking to him, I'm sure he can. Okay. UK woman fined after a hundred mile trip to Scarborough for a burger. <laughs> See, this has actually crossed my mind, but for Taco Bell, because there aren't any Taco Bells around near us. There's well, one outside you... Stamford Bridge around the corner. And there's one in Manchester, and I think there's one in Chelsea. I've genuinely debated some stages going on. Well, you know that phase where um, they just released like popular films just with an all female cast. That could be like the Harold and Kumar <clears throat> version. <laughs> just a woman travelling a massive trip for a burger. <laughs> when you look into it, she was actually going for a McDonald's, so it was oh, just an God. excuse, but still awful on her part. If you're travelling that far, at least have a good uh, alibi. Yeah, for sure. Australian man held after armed raid in search of cat. <laughs> he took over a sanctuary with a gun armed and look, said, no one's getting out of here until I find my cat. Um, That's actually got like a, a feel of like a really wholesome ch- children's movie <laughs> gone wrong. Uh, Turkish man jumps into sea after refusing to pay hefty bill at restaurant and attempts <laughs> to swim to nearby Greek island. <laughs> See, I, again, when you're on a holiday and you're out with your family or something, you sat down in this lovely restaurant and you know you're going home the next day. Well, you just I've never had the guts to do it myself, but you could just walk out, have it all <laughs> or and then swim to a nearby Greek island. I've not got that in me, but the person we should have had on here is Sean, who uh, does have form. Does have form for doing a runner from a restaurant and says, well, everyone else was doing it, so 
Oh, well, that makes it okay then. He was in a tricky spot record. also. Then he claimed there were some dodgy dealings going on in the restaurant, so that excused it, <laughs> as if that the two wrongs made a right. And especially if there's dodgy deals going down, you're probably less likely to do a runner because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm coughing up. Yeah. McDonald's customer livid as driver eats her order outside her home before asking if she wanted the gherkin. What? Is this crude? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. This is a, they. She caught a delivery driver. Tucking into a McDonald's, uh, and then she confronted him, and he said, "Do you want the gherkin?" Because he hadn't, he hadn't eaten it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be more alarmed the fact that he hasn't eaten the gherkin because the gherkin's the best bit of the burger. Yeah, oh. not the best bit, but they are great. Um, although people who offer you theirs and then you turn it down, like, I thought you liked it. I do. I just don't want your gherkin out of your hands <laughs> from the middle of your burger. Um. Woman catches squirrel holding a knife in her backyard. <laughs> Naked man electrocuted during fight on subway tracks. Yeah, subway tracks scare me. When I'm, on, <laughs> when I'm on the underground, I look at it and I think, if the train doesn't get me, then electricity will. I don't know which would be the worst there. You ever gone to step onto a train or the tube and you kind of put your foot in that little gap between a, oh, your life the train? You say that as if I'm ever squeezing down that gap. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that'd be worse. Being caught somewhere in between, I mean, you're not dead. You're just <laughs> getting shot. Um, a Tennessee law firm is offering a free divorce for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Good marketing. Innocent man hurt after Texas bounty hunters broke in and started a shootout. <laughs> Only in America, some of these things. California man lived inside O'Hare Airport security zone for three months because he was afraid to fly during COVID. I saw this and I thought immediately <clears> of the <throat> film The Terminal with Tom Hanks, you where could, he just lives inside the terminal. You've got everything you need in there, haven't you? Yeah, you genuinely have. You could have, like, yeah, it's going to cost him a pretty penny, I'm sure. It would, but you can like, have Weatherspoon's breakfast all the time. You can have good work, which you can only ever seem to find there or in like, fancy motorway service stations. Be a good little good. niche if you can get in there and then be like a homeless person in the free, in the airport where there really shouldn't be any competition. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have Sauron appears in the night sky above a Russian town. Very on brand for well, 2020, 2021. <laughs> uh, man thought to have COVID actually had a walnut in his lung. Ugh. What would you rather? <laughs> yeah. How'd you get a walnut? Oh, never mind. This doesn't even go there. <laughs> uh, Man owns 321 million Bitcoin, but he can't access it because he's lost his password. Oh, misery. I've seen, I've seen one similar to this as well in Newport, where the guy's got it on an external hard drive. Yeah. Which accidentally threw away and said he'd give Newport County Council 25 mil if he helps him find it. They dig it up. I oh still do not really know what cryptocurrency is. Uh, you but, could, uh, you can feel so sick. Imagine that. Imagine having 200 mil on a hard drive that you know you've thrown away. 
I don't really get it though. I don't get how it's how it's real money. I still don't understand. I don't it. I don't know that this podcast is gonna solve no. that one virus. <laughs> no. The thing is the thing is though, until you withdraw money out of an ATM, real money isn't real money, if that makes sense. It's just numbers in the bank account, it's the same concept. But it is do at do least do in do your do currency. Do huh? It is at least in your currency. I mean I I feel like Alex would know what it is, but I also feel like Alex explaining it to me could make me jump out my window. <laughs> hence, hence why I'm remaining silent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man crashes car during police chase, steals police car to get away. GTA business. I was going to say, yeah. Um, Nico Bellic. <laughs> website seeks professional binge watcher to watch Netflix and eat pizza. Dream my job. dream job if it was sports instead of Netflix Sean would probably be perfect for that job I've never known anyone who can watch so much Netflix in such little time uh, podcasts and TV shows he seemingly watches I said he's got that little uh, time thing from Prisoner of Azkaban so <laughs> Hermione can do more lessons that's what Sean has to watch more Netflix shows and finally just to uh, rub salt in the wound that Alex wouldn't run in a wetsuit for a world record for the pod. Um, <laughs> man chops through airborne apples while juggling knives for a Guinness World Record. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a bit more impressive than a wetsuit run. Well, yeah, exactly. And this guy's willing to do that. It's a shame we don't have the same commitment. The thing is... Place in his Twitter bio. The amount of training that go into that to perform that feat, is the reward worth it? Because you look at it afterwards, you, when you tell someone, they'll just look at it. <laughs> you've got a lot of spare time in your hands, you have. Yeah. But I could do that if I put enough training. No, you couldn't. <laughs> I trained all my life to do it, but then... Well, what do I, get I don't out? think this guy came out of the womb juggling knives. So. <laughs> yeah, that being said, I'm let's get on to the football, because we do have a lot to get into. Okay. So, rumours happen as we do in January. You get to this stage of the month where some seem to stick around that little bit more and you do start to think maybe there is some credence in this. Deli Alley to PSG does seem to be one that's hanging around, only intensified when Pochettino took over. It seemed to be narrowed down between Christian Eriksen and Deli Alley. Christian Eriksen seems to be getting closer to Spurs, whereas Deli Alley seems to be getting closer to PSG. Odd moves all around, but the question here, would it be a more damning indictment on Jose or Ligue 1 if Deli Alli was to just ball out in Paris at PSG? When you say when you say ball out, do you mean are we talking one big season there or are we talking a successful career that sends him into the stars? Is he better than he's ever been before? If, like, if like he, you know, after like he stays there for a couple, like two to three no, seasons in, in, in that two to... six months. So, if he performs now, but like I never left kind of thing, is that a damning indictment on Jose for not being able to get it out of him, or is it on the French league for being, oh wow, this isn't a good look if Delhi can slot straight in here and look like a champ? Right. So for me, for me. 
if he's if he has a goes there and has a really absolutely stunning six months, I don't think it's a bad reflection on Mourinho, purely because one he's leaving he's left a squad in which he's not working at the moment. For whatever reason it is, the environment, his relationship with the manager, his relationship with the team, his ambition there, whether it's just gone a bit stale for him, he's struggling to drive himself to just push that little bit further to get back into the squad. You know, it's, I think it's, you you take him out of that environment and you go somewhere new, you can always get, it's kind of a bit like that, that new manager feel as well. When you get a manager who's replaced in a, you know, you get that new manager spring. You go somewhere new where you know you're guaranteed to start because you've been bought it. You've been bought in, and the manager is going to be criticised for not playing you if you're not played. I think, and you know, it is it is a weaker league. Nobody can dispute that. But I think the main thing is that we know he's a good player. We know he can play to the top level in the Premier League. We've seen it. We, I think we, we I think we can all agree that right now it's an attitude problem just a mental development problem rather than an ability so if he goes anywhere if he, he, he could go to spain he could he could end up in spain in this window for some re- like for some random reason or italy and go into any of the big sides and if he performed well over the over six months i, I wouldn't be surprised I, just for whatever reason right now he's not working at spurs so, so you think it would be a worse look for the French I league think, than it would for Jose. I, I think I think it would be pretty neutral in the respect of it's uh, it's a representation of neither parties could make the situation work at the time you need to when pick a side here, Alex. No, no, because because Splinters I don't think off. because because Mourinho's because you can't turn around and say Mourinho right. You can't turn around in this situation and go right. Mourinho's made the wrong tactical decision not to play him because the times that he has played him, he hasn't exactly stood out. And in all he fairness, did against as we know, and no, and <laughs> and, and and even and he, as we know, Deli Ali is not really a creative player. He's not. Excuse he, me. He, well, he's not. He's not a creative. He, he, flat, he flatters to deceive. He's he's good at getting you. He's good at getting you. A, f- a good amount of goals in the position that he tends to play, but I don't think his creativity, or it certainly is, his creativity certainly has not been there for the past two seasons. Oh, if it is not. there, it's good, but as a player, so, I mean, TK. So, so like, take so 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 like because to sort of to give you an example. So obviously we drew one one with Fulham. Um, when it was last week, wasn't last week? Yeah, it was last week. Yeah, Wednesday last week, right? You look to the situation that we found ourselves in towards when Fulham got one goal back. We really, really lacked any creativity through the middle. That pinpoint pass to sort of that that focal point to break them wide open because Fulham just got players behind the ball. We were stuck to just whipping it in from out wide, um, which can work, but also it, like really it's not. We we didn't have any answers for him. In that situation, I would rather have. Christian Eriksen than Deli Ali, so I can kind of see where this Eriksen talks come from because he does offer you that element of creativity. You're veering away from the question. That's not the question. No, I I know, but I'm saying right now I don't think even if Deli Ali started performing, I think he's like a bit better. I still don't think he gets back into the squad right now because he's not he's not what we need to take the squad forward. 
if that makes sense. But as you sort of said, look, it's not. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's damning for Mourinho if he goes and performs at PSG, and I don't think it's damn that like terribly damning on Deli Ali if he goes to PSG and performs either, because I think it's just a mutual, a mutual. It's not working right now. I mean, it was meant to be a tough answer. That's why we picked the question. TK, can you give us an answer to this one? <laughs> I can try. Um, I, I would say if he goes in there and plays at a level we've not seen from him yet, it probably doesn't look good for the French League. Um, if he goes back and you know, hits levels of... I was about to say a couple of years... We're going back further than a couple of years ago now, aren't we, really, with him? Uh, four or five years ago. If he gets to that sort of level again, I think you can probably look at Jose. I think you can probably say, well, why weren't you able to get this out of him? I this is a rare occasion where I don't blame Jose too much for him. I, I think there isn't well, Mourinho a lot came out. With the, the Mourinho, the day that he got there, he turned around to Deli Ali and said, you were the one guy that I was told to sign at United. I think you are a superb player. Right now, you're struggling. You seem to have lost that little something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it looks like and it looks like he is. So you can't say that Mourinho didn't come, didn't back him the moment he came in. You know, he literally and he gave him a little bit of a run out at the start of this season, but he just quickly made a decision on him. He gave him enough chances, he gave him enough time, and even still, you know, he's not exactly been cut out from the fold like an Urzil for Christ's sake. He's still, mm. you know, he's still he's still been given the odd little chance here and there in the Europa League and in the cup in the league cups and stuff like that. I wouldn't say Mourinho's been that ruthless. If we if we look at the French league, so there's more money in the Premier League. We know that the depth is greater, but we shouldn't and I don't think anyone has been here be too disrespectful of the French league because I mean it's been the main <laughs> it's been the main it's been the main feeding ground of the Premier League over the last what three transfer windows. And then you look at the main targets for the next uh couple of seasons when you look at the likes of Camavinius, uh, Sumare and plenty of other names the French League does seem to be that just the depth isn't there the same as it is in the, in the Premier League so that's the, 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 the quality is there just the depth of it not so much um, you are right but I chuckle because you are maybe the one of the louder ones of calling it a Farmers League over the last couple of years I have until they started battering all our sides in, <laughs> yeah. in Europe so um Looking at the last couple of games, Pochettino, I think, is trying to go to a 4-2-3-1. He's been playing a 4-3-3 when he's missing one of his kind of front four. But I think the last game he lined up and he had Moise Keane up top, Mbappe left, Neymar central, Di Maria right. You think if he gets Deli Alli, it's because he thinks he can add something to the squad there. Maybe he then puts Mbappe central as Deli out left or Neymar out left and Deli central because... He's not going to be shifting Verratti right in the middle of the park. And he's probably not going to be in there doing what Paredes or Herrera or Gay do in there. Or Sarabia, because they do have plenty of midfield options. Just maybe they're looking for someone with a bit more creativity or a bit more of a wow factor. So I think if he goes there and he does do, say he gets to somewhere near the level we saw a couple of years back, because... After Harry Kane, he was the one you dreaded the most when you were playing uh, Spurs. I think it's a bad look for Mourinho because it'll be the case of his inability to integrate him into his system. So I think 
also, you just mentioned the players who, you know, he's going to have to displace a very good player there. Yeah. Where you're going to be looking at it thinking, well, if he can break into PSG's midfield, how come he could get into Spurs? You're probably looking at Moise Keane being the one to be dropped, but then he's balling out, so it's it's going to be tough there. Certainly the pressure will be less. Maybe that's what it's going to need to kind of have Delhi uh, playing like he's having fun again. But I think it'd be a bad look for Jose purely because you're looking at Spurs not killing the games off at the moment and the criticism being there. And so maybe you think if you can have an extra bit of an attacking talent that you can get playing well, then that would be the thing because certainly the way Jose has spoken about him, and I don't think he should baby him, it's certainly not encouraging him to go out there and play with freedom. Jack, what do you think? Would it be a worse look for PSG in the French League or would it be a worse look for Jose? I think if we look at it from the last couple of years, last four years, say, we haven't seen Deli Ali perform to what we know he can can perform at level-wise the last four years, even in the 2018 World Cup, we were kind of questioning his starting space in the England team. Sure, yeah. Um, and we were kind of thinking, well, he didn't deserve to go. Dick Grealish to Madison back then. Was... So I don't think it's so much of an indictment upon Jose where Pochettino in his last season really struggled to get the best out of David Alley, which is probably one of the reasons why he, he left, because he wasn't getting the same level of performance out of the players, which he had been for so long. Um, whereas if you go to League 1, I mean, if you look at the two different playing styles as well, between Jose playing rear guard action against pretty much the whole league in the Premier League, where he gives up possession and relies on the pace of Son and the link-up with Kane. Whereas if you go to PSG in League 1, where PSG are expected to win every single game quite comfortably until they play the top four, and then even then they're still expected to win. They can have a lot of the ball, not a lot of tracking back, because their defence can probably keep it. And that would suit Deli Ali a lot more than what the system would be currently at Spurs. Yeah. He'd be able to get on the ball and try and run the show in, in, in France against lesser opposition, which I think if he does perform, I think it'd be more an indicament of the poor quality in the French league potentially because that will allow him to play to his strengths, which is on the ball, not having to work hard tracking back and being allowed that attacking freedom, which he would not get in many Premier League sides and especially not a Jose Premier League side. Yeah. I, I, yes. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see how Mourinho's done anything wrong here. I think he's actually been brilliant with handling the situation. He's seen that, He's like, not been brilliant, but it's not all What's he done wrong? Well, surely the the criticism would be for any manager where you have a player who clearly has potential, then the criticism gets levied at the player and the criticism gets levied at the manager for not getting that out of the player. I'm not saying it's all on him, but he's not been brilliant. No, every player in that squad's got potential, but at the end of the day, it's down to the player whether they could, the manager, the coaching staff, everybody around them can give them as much tools and advice as possible, as much opportunities as possible to get them best, the best out, the best out of them. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the player. Mourinho yeah, sure, given him, and Mourinho's given him ample chance. The direction that the squad's gone in and the way that they play, I don't see why. I don't see why Deli Ali in any circumstance, does there any benefit of the doubt here whatsoever? I think Mourinho has handled the situation perfectly. He hasn't done it in such a bad way that 
that he's caused a rift in the squad over it either. In fact, it's gone the opposite direction. He seems to have rekindled the squad's sort of like positive attitude together and re, re, reforged a unit. Nobody seems to be batting an eyelid about Ali not making the squad in that team. I internally, just anyway. br- brilliant job would be getting the best out of the player. No, yeah, that, you, can't, you can't. You no, but you can't get the best out of every single player. Marie, no, no, Marie, I, I agree. I'm just saying he's got a brilliant he's, job. The, 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 the manager's job is to get the best out of the squad. It's not to get the best out of individual players. It's to get the best out of the team and the squad. He's I don't. I don't. Deli Ali. Deli Ali. Right. Deli Ali doesn't right right now. Does not fit into that squad with his level that he's playing at. I'm not saying Kansas he does. Team. So, so then, why, so why does Mourinho have to waste time and waste, waste match? I'm not time? saying he does. I just disagreed with so, you saying so he's done a brilliant so job with him. So where, no, because he hasn't. I think he's it. suggesting he's done an okay job. Yeah, no, he's, done a, he's done a brilliant job because he hasn't lost the squad over it. He's got, he's taken the squad forward from where they were at last season, and the squad looks stronger as a whole. He's done the right thing for Tottenham. I'm just saying, I don't think a brilliant he's, job you, would be. Getting Ali no. playing at the level he was playing in the early years of the Pochettino, so he's, no, he's done. He's gone done in a different direction job. now. Yeah, but the squad's done. The, the, t- the way the team plays has gone in a different direction. Deli Ali does not. I don't fit. disagree with what you're saying. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what, so you're saying you disagree with there. one word. Yeah, but you're you're, you're now saying that you're trying to get a best. Even even Deli Ali at his best might not fit into the way that this team's playing right now. The way Deli Ali is best might not will may not even work in the team. I don't disagree with anything you said, other than that he's done a brilliant job with him. That's literally. Yeah, but why why has he not done a brilliant job then? If he's ticked all the boxes, a brilliant job uh, gives the impression that you've done almost the best that you could have done with him, which is. Yeah, but getting the best out of the player, which no, you can get the best out of the player, and it's still not working the squad. And it could be that in yeah, the games you where you're playing the likes of Sheffield, yeah, but it's a team game. So getting the best out of a player is then working in the squad, and he doesn't work in the squad right now. Yeah, so I he's done. A, he's done. A, he's done a good job for what he's got in front of him. I, I think um, the the tricky thing for Ali as well is that if you look at how Ndombele's reacted to Jose. It's kind of chalk and cheese, and it has similar sort of issues, didn't they? Where he sulked for a bit, to be fair. Yeah, but he, he turned it round, didn't he? Which yeah, I, for sure. I wasn't sure he would. Um, so that's probably the trickiest thing for for Ali, particularly as I do share your uh, sentiments that I'm not sure tactically he fits in with the system, Ali. But at the same time, he should be able to do the job Dumbley's doing at the minute. So. Yeah. It's his kind of his own fault. He's playing himself. Oh, I don't think I, I don't think same, I don't think he says does the same job as Ndombele at all. I think they're two completely different players. If oh, fair enough. If you look back at the <laughs> the night that Jose came in, uh, my first message is Jose is going to bloody love Ndombele, and now he's got him cooking. He, he does seem to. I guess alone in this situation benefits all parties. Jose won't have to put up with him get his wages off the books, and Levy will hope that he increases his value, which is at an all-time low since he's come to Tottenham. So, best for all parties. Just not sure Ericsson is the right person to put in that gap, but we'll talk about that when it happens because we do still have one more thing to talk about before we switch over to UFC. And that is, we had a not-so-super Sunday yesterday. Um, Spurs-Sheffield was what it was. um, And then... Liverpool United, they gas it up every time. It, I can't remember the last time there was a good game between these two. 
you, you put Liverpool, Tottenham in, you're going to have a good game. You put United against City, then you're going to have a decent enough game. You you put United, Liverpool in, it's a rough watch. But the big question here, two teams at the top of the table, was this a more valuable point for Liverpool United? And if we go to you first, TK, being a Liverpool fan, how did you walk away from the game feeling? I think it's probably a reflection of the game that I think is probably a better point for us, which if you'd said pre-game, that I would have said not a chance, even with the you know the centre the centre back situation being what it is. Uh, I thought we would have played a little bit better than we did, and I thought they had the the two really good chances of the game, which they must look back on and think we're not going to yeah. get a better opportunity to beat them than that. So for that reason, I, I do think it's a slightly better point for Liverpool in a situation where neither will be too unhappy, but both will probably be frustrated as well. Yeah. I actually think it was a better point for United, um, or certainly a more valuable point there. I think it adds confidence um, as as much as they'll be kicking themselves for not winning, obviously. But it does add a bit more credence to them, maybe internally, to the title challenger shouts, which everyone says until a rival fan repeats it back to them, and then they backtrack quicker than anything you'll ever see, but you've ever Remarkable. seen in your life. The thing that really tipped it for me was um, I thought Ollie seemed a bit more in control through the game and afterwards. And I, I didn't really like Klopp's comments after where he said um, they were difficult to break down, which we obviously saw. And he said, great players that are only willing to defend are a worse nightmare to play against. But that doesn't really stack up when you look at the Newcastle and West Brom games. So I don't think it also reflected the game either, to be honest. It looks like maybe... And I've said this before, when you, when you play football manager, and this is a game, obviously, they're only <laughs> going to let you have success with a certain way for so long because the game is obviously going to work you out. And Klopp just looks a bit bereft of ideas and then he looks almost like he's looking for other teams, not as simple as this, to just come and play against them, which United were never going to do. We saw with the team selection and I thought maybe there was a better way to talk about it than to kind of come out and express your frustration there, which we've criticised him for before, maybe. But there we go. Yeah. Jack, what do you think? I feel like Klopp's kind of built this pedestal up that Liverpool's way is the only way. And if you don't come and play the same way Liverpool do, then you do sit back and try and defend. He takes it almost personally, mm. um, which exactly that. It's never going to happen. You're not going to get people playing gung-ho. This is funny because... They praised Norwich for doing it weirdly two seasons ago against Liverpool. Yeah, I know. And then (laughs) teams teams will come and do that, like Leeds, and they'll get beat. And he'll have a smile on his face because Liverpool have won. And then they'll drop points and then he'll be unhappy and then blame it on the other team's style of play. I think that's fair to be fair. I think we're kind of joining the (laughs) dot set for ourselves here, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) He's really happy when we win and he's not when we don't. (laughs) This is the point I'm making. It's kind of like, well, you're going to be upset when you've dropped points. It's not because the other teams played the way they have. You haven't broken them down. Um, I think I, looking at who the point's more valuable for, I totally get the point that United, they've gone away to Anfield where they haven't lost in four years at home. And they've gone and got a point considering where they were at the start of the season, far and high at top of the league. They think it's good. But then on the flip side, if I look at 
Liverpool squad, and especially the start of it, when you've got two midfielders playing at centre-back with two of the most attacking-minded um, wing-backs in the league. And then you've got no Diogo Jota and Firmino that hasn't really been hit in that form. And I, think it's been hi- I think it's been highlighted by the fact that how well Jota's done is how mm. poor Firmino has been finishing-wise this season at least. And I think you look at that, and I think it's actually more valuable for Liverpool because they haven't lost their unbeaten home run. So a lot of teams will go to Anfield and just lie down for them in a sense that they already know that they're not going to win the game because of that massive home record that they've got. The fact that they've kept that intact and with that team that they put out with Van Dijk missing, centre-backs missing, no real substitutions for their front three either, starting with Shaqiri, I think really, I would say it's more valuable for Liverpool. Keeps them in and about the title race, a couple of weeks closer to all of their team being more fit in back and flying. Um, They're in a poor run of form at the moment, but they're not losing games. I know they lost, obviously, to Southampton, but they're not not hemorrhaging goals. They're not hemorrhaging games either. Like, say Chelsea, for example, we had a bad, bad spot. And we're like now fucking well out of it. Whereas Liverpool haven't done that; they haven't capitulated. So Fabinho was. I really think. You you go, mate. No, I was just going to say. I really think that the way that the squads, the position they are at the moment, especially league position, this is more valuable for Liverpool than it was for United. Fabinho was sensational yesterday. I think maybe the best all-round player in the league in the. I mean, as great as De Bruyne is, you're not putting him at centre-back. And mm. going forward, Fabinho is almost just as good as his kind of counterparts uh, in that end of midfield. And I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans, um, and TK, you, you must almost be tired of hearing about Liverpool fans and what they're up to, but... Time for never shocked. Campaigning that uh, there needs to be an investigation as to the whistle being blown at the end of the first half. As peculiar as it was, uh, I think that is maybe uh, looking for a way out. As ever with most things with officials, I think it's more um, ineptitude rather than some sort of corruption. Um, obviously, so no officials know, left the Liverpool games otherwise. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I've got a thing with stoppage time anyway, and the fact that it's never really uh, accurately reflected. I know I've said this before, so yeah. I don't think it's yeah some sort of weird agenda. It was unfortunate in the same week that Clattenburg obviously came out with his comments. It, yeah, it does kind of give the conspiracy theorists um, plenty of material. Thiago had a great twenty minutes and then not so great after that. Thought he was bad, just didn't quite have the same influence. Yeah, no, it's it is tricky, isn't it? You'd you'd rather be bringing him into a midfield where it's not just because when you do the midfield we play, it's basically him and Wijnaldum. Yeah, Shakiri's not going to do the uh, not going to do the work, is he? So yeah. you kind of you are asking a lot from him. Uh, just having not played a lot of games. Just before we uh, switch over to UFC, Alex, um, what did you think? Better point for Liverpool or better point for United? Well, for me, I um, if you had to twist my arm and tie me down, I would say it is a better point for United. It, it, it's a it's a it's a better point for United in the respect that most of the talk going into the match was 
you know, United, okay, they're top of the table. Um, and there was, you know, a few fans getting excited here and there, but there was a lot of fans turning around going like mutual fans and pundits sort of saying, you know, Liverpool are the better side. They can swap them down at any time. And it, that was the match for Liverpool to do it. Um, but they didn't. They're walking away with the point. And, you know, unquestionably, United are the weaker side at the moment, um, I think, on paper and as a team. So for them to come out with a draw is a good result for them in a manner of speaking. However, I, I think generally, uh, generally, generally, I think if you look at the situation this season, this is looking like it's a season where every single team is failing to capitalise on opportune moments to you sort of take the lead and take that step forward. You know, City, if they win their game in hand now, can go top. Um, and you for Liverpool they might not see the front of, they might not be able to get in front of City for the rest of the season if City are that team that now get their shit together yeah. and and run away with it. Liverpool had a valuable opportunity to completely destroy that Man United momentum on the weekend and they missed it. So I, I don't, I think it's another draw this season in what I think was actually quite a crucial match. And when we look, but when this season's over, if it carries on the way that it has or... Yeah, if it carries on, if it carries on the way that it has, um, and hopefully it does go down to the wire and make it really entertaining for everybody, um, then you know we can look back at these moments and go, if there was a win there and a win there, you know, it might have made all the difference. Um, oh, but right, but yeah, that, that's uh, so kind of on the fence. But if you had to twist my hands, United. I'll have to Better jump in because uh, still got two more sports to go through. So. Alex and Jack, uh, I have to bid you farewell for the evening. Yeah, farewell, boys. Jack, I'll see you on Thursday for Movie Madness. And Mm. Alex, I'm sure I'll speak to you probably later. So adios for now. And I'll bring in Rory. There we go. There he is coming in now. Like clockwork. We are recording, Rory, so uh, watch what you say here. No, that's fine. I uh, I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear, my coming through all right. <laughs> we uh, would have had you in a bit sooner, but you know what those boys are like when it comes to, when they get on a roll. Yeah, Alex and Jack in particular. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I hear Jack was late to the party to start with, so he uh, was said the better on that front, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, usually we would do a bit more football, but in a weekend that we've just had, we're not even talking about NFL this weekend, so that shows just how much there is. UFC, we've brought you in to talk specifically about that. We've got three key points to go through Max Holloway stays blessed, Khabib's lack of decision, and Connor's comeback, which I've used in about nine episode titles since we started the pod because <laughs> I like a bit of alliteration and uh, you got to have McGregor's name in there to get those clicks. And he's had a lot of comebacks. Exactly. If we start with Max Holloway then, so the scorecards had the ex-champion beating Calvin Cater 50-43, 50-43 and 50-42. You're only the second 50-42 scorecard in UFC history. Um, it was the first. I did have the name. It was uh, Rich yeah. Franklin. Um, 445 significant strikes set a new UFC record. 
um, smashing the old mark of 290. Um, and he also set a record for significant strikes thrown um, with 744. The previous record was 515. Landed 439 distance strikes. The previous record was 281. And he landed 274 head strikes, and the previous record was 244. So, record breaking night for the Blessed Express. <laughs> I thought one of you was, yeah. I, th- I thought he was about to say something, I didn't want to talk over I've got to be honest. Ended up nothing. I actually thought I had lost you. It's just <laughs> silence. Uh, um, no, so Holloway TK, did his you thing. Can, you can jump in. I'm happy to uh, to go second if, if you want to follow. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we saw from the reaction on social media, didn't we? It was kind of it was one of those ones where you realised you were kind of witnessing something special because you, you saw people sort of tweeting about it and stuff that you wouldn't normally. Maybe that's partly due to the lockdown as well, mind you. But and the time it was on. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, but I was trying to think of like the last time where I sort of felt like that watching it, and it's probably going back to Holloway or Taker. But this yeah. was another level again. The only thing closest I would say is um, Gaethje Ferguson, and that was yeah an impressive yeah. performance. But it was more of he's doing this to Tony Ferguson, and this is Justin Gaethje. Yeah. yeah, it was it was ridiculous in what to be honest going in was probably a must win fight. Mm. You know, one one and three going in after yeah losing a weight class above and then seeming to fight the guy that just seems to be his kryptonite in Volkanovski and he um, won that last fight well it was very very close I'll, I'll give you that but it was just a an unbelievable performance and one that I I thought he'd win but I didn't think he'd do that especially not the Kate noise we know how good he is yeah exactly yeah exactly but tough as nails. I was that noises that I didn't know oh. I could make. <laughs> yeah, Those was, elbows it, in the second round. Sorry, Oh, boy. my yeah. God. I was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Some of the strikes that, that Cater got hit with, I can't believe he didn't go down. There was a point where I think I actually texted you, Byron, just saying he could genuinely throw him to the floor here. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's he just need He basically needs to just grab the back of his neck and just push him down and finish him from there because it was ridiculous. Some of those elbows, like you say, that his head's up against the fence, he's got nowhere to go and he's just being connected flush. It, yeah, it was, it wasn't a pretty sight. It wasn't a pretty sight. It's, it's full found. He's barely holding himself up. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, there was a heavyweight fight earlier in the night, which looks set to get fight of the night for sure. And then, uh, and then this happens. So, <laughs> you had polar opposites there because that was just two two big boys or two big biscuits as uh, DC called them on the night just swinging <laughs> and then you look at Holloway but even just the angle at which he swung his arm for that elbow you, you don't get that at probably anything past welterweight and so it is the beauty of these featherweights where you've got so many different body sizes in there when you even just compare Holloway and Volkanovski mm. But to be able to do that, the body shots he was landing. The next fighter we see go down with a body shot, Kelvin Cater has good mind to stand over them and say, get up, what are you doing? Because <laughs> some was, of them couldn't have been yeah. more like tucked under the ribcage if he tried. 
it was almost like he realised that the head wasn't going, so he had to try something different. And then realised that didn't work, so he may as well try and take his head off again. It was like uh, shy of planting 25 calf kicks on him. I don't know what else he could have tried. When he tried the takedown in the in the third, I think, um, Holloway, that is, I thought he was going to go down the Eubank senior route of saying that, you know, I knew I was doing him so much damage. So, uh, <laughs> But okay. then Holloway quite clearly didn't have that mindset and was more than happy to inflict as much damage as he possibly could. Yeah, I think uh, I didn't quite jump in quick enough when you were on about the uh, the big biscuits earlier, but <laughs> disappointed not to see uh, Mello and Marais get fired the night. There's there's a clip if you have a look on Twitter, and they've broken down all the times that Mello made that noise Marais. without even throwing. Sometimes she was just moving backwards and just making the noise. Well, I, like Marais was basically clicking her shoulder out of place, not even throwing a shot and screaming. It's horrendous. One of them, 15 seconds into the fight where you've had a bet, you think, oh, this is not nice. I, I, I regret going anywhere near this. <laughs> Well, I texted you before I had even laid the... Uh, as soon as I laid the ACA, just put in Sarah Marais. I hate myself. Yeah, both of you had a big ACA busted by that. <laughs> even but I don't think they do that, the, the decision, don't they? And they act shot like they've just dominated. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have got much further after Buckley got his head taken off. But <laughs> Yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, but even with Holloway, just... I don't think I've used the word swagger since about 2014. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best way you can describe the way he was fighting in that fourth and fifth round. I love I love it when fighters are uh, picky like that, where he's obviously looked at the interviews that Cater has said, where he said that Holloway was the freshman when mm-hmm. it comes to boxing. And then to have the presence of mind to talk about that in the fight, in the way that he did, what did he, like a, a landed two punches and dodged four, four, five, six, coming back at him while speaking to DC. Yeah. I've yeah, never ri- seen anything like that. Yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely I was ridiculous. Praying, please don't get Chin doing this. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Kater hit him with a couple of pretty decent shots and it didn't mm. even look like it phased him. I've, I've used the analogy on here to speak about Triple G before and I said that when you look at fighters usually... It's almost like when you build them on a, on a PlayStation game and you've got a certain amount of stats to use. So usually, if you're fighting and your knockout power and that kind of thing is all at such a high level, then your chin isn't because you use all your points elsewhere. Mm. And then you get these freaks every so often, like Holloway, who maybe has the best chin in UFC history when you look back at some of the shots he's taken and the fact he's not even gone down in that time. Mm. He shouldn't have that level of striking and that chin. The only guy I think comparable at a higher weight class is somebody like John Jones. Mm. Where yeah, it's he's, just he's ridiculous a joke as well. That they are still dishing out the punishment, but they're not worried about what's coming back. Yeah. It's just unfair. It's, it's it, 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 it's very unfair. But um, yeah, I mean, is it is it just that you know some of these guys that get a bit chinny later on in their careers because they've taken so many knocks early on? But these better guys just seem to get the job done. But that just is not applicable to Max Holloway. He takes well, shots in every fight he's in because they're always absolute barn burners. I've done it myself before. Holloway has had some Lomachenko comparisons. I think 
just because it's a level of striking that we don't often see in the UFC and certainly the movement and the way he does it. But he certainly doesn't dodge punches like Lomachenko. I think among active fighters, he's in the top five for headshots taken, mainly from the Dustin Poirier fight, I think, where he took an absolute pasty. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't seem to be diminishing. You just hope that you can get more of his prime out of him and I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see him go down the way and be cashed out. I hope with his son there and kind of the personality he's got where he'll be more than successful when he finishes fighting. I just don't want to see him go down that route. So get him in, get these big fights out of him and then let him go on his merry way because there are, are still plenty of big fights out there for him. I mean, you, I suppose an interesting point is and I was thinking about this just before I came on that we generally don't see guys getting a title shot after they've already lost twice. Now, clearly if Ortega wins against Volkanovski, then that's an easy way to get Max back in for the title shot. But let's say Volkanovski beats Ortega. It's easy enough for a sell for us guys. We're more than happy to tune in. But does it have that same feeling knowing that Volkanovski's already beaten him twice? It's a bit of a weird dynamic that you rarely see. I think the, the nature of that performance, though, is kind of yes. Yeah, so that's what I mean. It's, it's undeniable. It is undeniable to say that he deserves another shot, but it's just so hard to sort of like you know Dana White loves a one and one. We go into the trilogy, whereas this one, it's like you got a guy that's beaten him twice, but Holloway's pasting everyone else. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, of like a. They, there's a clip of Dana speaking to him afterwards at the back, and. Um, Dana said um, he calls everyone kid, which I never know if that's like a thing to you're below me or if he just does say that because he calls everyone kid. But he says in there, yeah, he he says like you went in there number one against number six, and he said you beat the shit out of that kid like you are number six, and you treated him like number six. And he said, look, going forward, you tell me what you want to do next because we're going to work with you. Yeah, and so they asked Dana, "Can you still do that?" And he says, "I think he's more than more than shown that he's worthy of a fight with uh, Volkanovski." So he says he won't hesitate for a second to make that fight again. Yeah, because yeah. going into it, I'd have had the same reservations as what what Rory's saying there. I thought I I don't really know what he can do here to kind of convince us that him and Volkanovski goes a different way. But I do think he went to another level in this fight. And he thought, mm-hmm. okay, if he has the same sort of preparation and goes into that a third fight with him, I'd be fascinated to see how it could turn out. I don't think it necessarily has to go the same way as the first two. The first one, he tried moving forward, didn't he? And then he got his legs kicked to the point where he couldn't move forward so much anymore until he just bit down in his gum shoot. Mm-hmm. The second yeah. fight, he moved backwards more, but landed enough big moments. And then that diminished as the fight went on. So, Volkanovski's shown him two different puzzles both times around and eked out a decision whether we like it or not. That uh, probably does help. That in, my, in my mind, it is kind of one all in terms of how I saw it. I thought the first one was pretty emphatic and a great performance for Volk. Mm. The second one was close, but I, I would have to give it to Holloway. So that does help in terms of selling it in your own mind, even if on paper, obviously, it is 2-0. Most people, yeah. aside from the judges, had it 3-0. 
Holloway and then Volk taking the last two. Mm. Yeah, I gave it to Holloway despite the fact I was on Volkanovski. <laughs> and if that doesn't tell you what you need to know, <laughs> um, But yeah, I'd be I mean, interested if he takes an interim close. fight or not. I mean, I would like to see him beat the hell out of uh, Zabit. I, I don't think Agreed. we'll get that unless uh, they offer him a nice bag, which maybe maybe they will. People do love Holloway, and he's certainly one of their stars. So. He's an but easy then, main event fight as well, and Zabit is, again, they could easily get him in a main event, despite the fact the man wants no piece of five rounds, The issue they have with um, Zabit, and the reason I think that, that won't happen is um, Yaya Rodriguez is suspended by USADA, so he's not going to be back for at least a year, and they're talking about up, up in that to two years. Um, missed, I think, three tests, um, refused to give his whereabouts, so make it that way you will. <laughs> Korean Zombie... Should have dropped uh, Troy line. He'd, he'd yeah. where he was. <laughs> Korean Zombie, he's just had an absolute beating put on him by Ortega. You think if Ortega can do that to him, then Holloway can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, I would like to see him against the beat. But then you look down, Calvin Cater's number six, Josh Emmett's number seven, Jeremy Stevens is number eight, Arnold Allen is number nine. British, big fan, but he, he's no way top of the list. No one, no one's getting there. I guess they no, hoped Barboza would come in and put a beat in on some of these uh, lesser ranked guys, but that didn't happen. So. I think maybe they might keep to beat there because even if Holloway has next, then they're going to need someone afterwards mm-hmm. to stop that division going stale. Yeah, well, that's fair. Um, also on the broadcast then, they spoke up about this is UFC's version of the decision. We've got the big announcement from Khabib coming prime time on the broadcast straight after the first fight. Dana then comes forward and doesn't give us a decision so it was very I mean odd. all we know is uh, all we know is that Khabib was impressed by Charles Oliveira and we're none the wiser as to whether he's coming back or not I think he told Dana no and Dana said ah, have a look this weekend see if uh, anything happens there because hmm. if he said yes Dana's saying no he said yes yeah. he's ruled out oh, okay. the GSP fight which didn't have a great interest in anyway I don't think Khabib has any great ideas about fighting Connor, which is probably more stress than it's worth. So I think Dana thought he could charm him. He's realised that Khabib isn't really swayed by the money and then he just hasn't quite literally ruled it out. So Dana's used that to boost the pay-per-view by as well he can. I wonder Realistically, if what can any of them do this weekend? McGregor's not going to fly and triangle Dustin Poirier in 60 seconds <laughs> no, no. and serve him off his back. So there's literally nothing that they can do. The biggest one that can, it probably has the most in is Michael Chandler. Yeah, I was just about to say that. But then again, does Khabib really look at uh, no. somebody putting a beating on Dan Hooker and go, that's the guy I'm going to face, that's the guy I'm going to come out of retirement for? Yeah, that's it. Who's he going to... Either of them putting on a performance isn't enough to drag you out of retirement, surely. No, no. I love that I just don't, as well. I've just got yeah. no idea. It would be slightly different if it was uh, Michael Chandler v Conor McGregor and Chandler yeah. 
did a Khabib style performance against McGregor, yeah. you know, took him down, wore on him, and then said, Look, I did what you did, but better. But we're not going to get that. We're either going to get Poirier get absolutely smoked, or Poirier probably drags McGregor deep and maybe edges a decision or something. Then Hooker v Chandler is going to just be a gritty, horrible war. Like those two are pretty much going to just take lumps out of each other. You would have thought. Yeah, it's going to be well, hard for I, either of them to look really good. Oliveira makes the most sense. Oliveira is the most interesting, but. Mm-hmm. It's also not really a needle mover, as Dana would say. And time moves quick. If you'd if you'd said this straight, uh, if you'd said it straight before the Ferguson fight, and then he said it, then fair enough. Oliveira does that, and you can go, all right, here we go. Yeah, I think if Dana's going to pay the kind of money which is going to take to get Khabib back, he's going to want a star in there. And I'm not sure Khabib's going to entertain another fight with McGregor. No, no. Do you think if you had to put if you had to put your house on it, um, do you think we see Khabib in the octagon by the end of 2021? No. TK. Uh, yeah, I reckon they do. Against who? I reckon they run it back with McGregor. Whether I, I want that to happen or not, I think they might do. McGregor oh. is right. Khabib did face the worst ever version of McGregor. And that was the best mind. ever could be. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to him, he was drunk. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind Supposedly. seeing McGregor give it all the talk and get pasted again. Uh, that's what I could see. I could see if he does a job on Dustin, he'll call him out. And then Khabib thinks, oh, fuck it, make it 30 and 0. Yeah, no, a guy, I know I can shut him up. And the other thing with it being, it's not necessarily even about the money, but he's kind of at his peak could be like, against Gaethje mm. that's as good as we've ever seen yeah. there must be a, an itch there to think I want to show what else I can do I mean he looked as good as he's ever looked with apparently two broken toes and a broken yeah. bone in his yeah, foot yeah. and he still and his dad took him down Gregor should be saying just take that belt off him now just take the belt <laughs> off him <laughs> Henry yeah. they stripped a day of the same <laughs> night <laughs> so that is superb isn't it, though. he deserves what, that what's happening with Khabib now is what Cejudo thought would happen yeah with him. exactly yeah but there's just Khabib my, my brother was saying to me uh, and he, he he follows the UFC he doesn't quite follow kind of like the, the business of it, the, it we just chat about he watches all the events and he was saying to me why is Khabib on at our time when he's on pay-per-view, but McGregor's on American time, which we've got this weekend. And I was saying that the difference, that the numbers that Khabib puts up over here means it's worth having it on the time for the viewership they'll get, whereas McGregor, it's worth putting it on to maximise those pay-per-view buys that you're going to get over in America. But it's more so, the, the European, Russian, Arab yeah, market exactly. as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, I understand they want to get as squeeze as much out of that with Khabib as possible. But Dana, for for years, has said if you even think about retiring, then just do it mm. until it's come to Amanda Nunes and Khabib. Yeah, he's basically dragging them to carry on. He said it with McGregor as well. He was saying, "Look, 
the kid's got the kid's got money there. He can retire so mm. I, if, if if I'm in charge of the UFC, I, I strip Khabib now. I make uh, this weekend for the belt, assuming McGregor wins, and then I give Nate Diaz a boatload of money to get in there with McGregor and squeeze every bit of cash that I can out of that fight. <laughs> it's insane yeah. they've not done it yet. It made so much sense when they did the Cerrone fight. Yeah. Ugh. The Cerrone fight just looks such a waste, doesn't it? When you look at it. If you could have got McGregor in there with Diaz or even like Gaethje or something. If you, you wanted want. Diego Sanchez, don't forget. Oh, <laughs> or, or Diego. The rumours this, this weekend is that Dana's trying to book Nate against uh, Gaethje. That would be good. Bloody hell. Nate's calves. Yeah, those leg kicks. Oh. He'd never walk again. <laughs> We'd enjoy it, though. We would enjoy it. It, it, would, it would be unreal, but I think the, the, probably the best fight you can make if you take out kind of the names and everything in terms of being in the octagon, Nate against Felder would be absolutely sensational. That would be good, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Essentially, there's three, four names you could put in there other than Gaethje. I am pretty confident would just batter Nate. Like, mm. I don't think it would be close. But there's enough, there's enough names out there when you look at Dan Hooker against Nate would be great, and so would Dustin. So it feels very much like you're feeding Nate to the wolves here. <laughs> yeah, whichever way you're sending and it's, it's, it's chalk and cheese for Gaethje because Dana said they were trying to make Gaethje against Charles Oliveira. <laughs> I think while Khabib's not there, you think of the best fights you can make for McGregor. And Gaethje-McGregor is absolutely the one. That fight gets me as excited as any two fighters in the UFC. And to think you're going to risk that for Charles Oliveira, rough. Especially when you just sit in ground game against Khabib. Yeah, so. very true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Finally, we've got McGregor this weekend then. So we have him against Dustin. I said when he fought Cerrone, it ends early in the first round. Confident with that, and it did play out that way. I'm going to say this time, inside two rounds, this fight... I. I don't think it's going to look close at all. Dustin, for every fight he wins and he's great entertainment, he takes an absolute beating every time. He took a beating against Dan Hooker, got through it. He took a beating against Gaethje, got through it. That's just his way of fighting. He took a beating against Eddie Alvarez the first time. Uh, I, I don't to see, knee him in the face. Yeah, I, I don't see how he stands up to what he's going to be hit with by McGregor with the precision he's going to be hit with. So I, I don't think it ends well for a great guy like Dustin. No, I think he'd be knocked out early. It actually wouldn't surprise me to see him get knocked out in about four minutes. Pretty, uh, I Wants mean... to be the first fight, he said, didn't they? <laughs> uh, well, it's twice as long as the first fight. I think the first fight was about yeah. 45, wasn't it? So um, I could just see Dustin just getting lined up and hit with one and... McGregor's for everything that people say about him 
he is a lethal finisher. Yeah. You very rarely see him let somebody off the hook. When they're hurt, they stay hurt and they go out. It's very, very rare that we see a guy take punishment and then come back. I mean, really, the only people we've really seen keep getting back up is, is Nate. Other than that, yeah. Alvarez got back up, but he was getting pasted the whole fight. Cerrone finished him as soon as he had him hurt. And you look further back, people like Brandao, Siva, Mendez. Once he had him hurt the first time, they didn't yeah. come back. Siva. Um, TK, just before we get on to the NBA to close us out, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think Rory pretty much summed up where I was going with it. I'll probably go even more emphatic. I, I do think pretty much similar sort of time to the first one. Obviously, they're both better than they were. Poirier's come on, obviously, leaps and bounds. And that's, but I just think McGregor's going to be too quick, too sharp. He lands, I've, I have tended to underrate Poirier over the years as well, which is unfair on my part. But I always think with where you got to have something you got to be a 9 or a 10 out of 10 on, on something. I feel like Poirier is just very good at everything, but isn't going to you know go and do what Khabib can do or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think when you have that with McGregor, you're, you're tailor-made for him. I said to Jack Evans when we were chatting about um, McGregor this weekend, and I said that every interesting fight for McGregor in this division, you still say, if they get to round three... And very few do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a long time to be with him opposite you. Because Gaethje gets interesting after three rounds, but you know, he gets hit. It's like Ferguson, the exact same. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Very rough. Rory, uh, pleasure to have you join us. Uh, of course, me and Tika got a bit of basketball before uh, we call it a day. A quick one on the basketball. Paddy Power offered me a go on the beat the drop this week. I got through the first game and then I've gone for the Knicks and the Magic to be high scoring and get ended about 22-27 or something like that. <laughs> uh, I, think, uh, I think they were both in the, the world, 80s they? or 90s, which is just terrific well, scoring for no, any NBA team. The Knicks did 91-84. Yeah, that's right. I knew Christ. it was low anyway. But, um, first anyway, quarter was 1913 and the oh, third yeah. quarter yeah, was yeah. 1916. Is, uh, I would be annoyed if I was watching a primary school, a secondary school game and they weren't scoring 19 points a quarter. But, yeah, you know. Rough. All right, I'll speak to you guys soon. Enjoy. Adios. CK, just before we go, more big news this week. James Harden finally gets his wish pushes through a trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, probably would have been easier discussion if we did this straight after because he did deliver 32 points at a triple-double in his Nets debut. <laughs> KD then scores a season-high 42 points in his first game back with Harden. And the Nets showed just how good their potential is in 122-115 victory over the Magic. Um what are your thoughts on the James Harden trade? It's something that's a crazy big story that kind of came as quickly as it went, didn't it? It seems to just be someone broke, he's going to the Nets. Next thing you know, he's there. There was, bearing in mind how long these things normally linger. Uh, the Sixers thought they'd agreed a deal. Ben Simmons had been, had been told, get ready, you're being traded. You're off to Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
it's great fun, isn't it? Apart from anything, I know there's been a lot of debate as to how it's going to work, or whatever. It's it's classic NBA. It really is in terms of just driving a story and throwing all these characters together, and it could end in a championship or it could end in a total disaster. I mean, when you go back to AD last summer and kind of forcing his way out of New Orleans, it's sending a message to every disgruntled superstar in the NBA that you do hold the power here. Um, Harden chunked up as much as he possibly wanted to, skipped the entire preseason. I mean, it's another level of unprofessionalism, isn't it? Really, I mean, yeah, you know, we, we had straight back in. At the top of this, we had a thing about Delhi Ali. I mean, Harden's made Ali look like. The uh, thing is, though, a Delhi Ali doesn't do that and then come back in and score 42 points <laughs> yeah. or score a hat trick after yeah, being unprofessional. Right. Because Harden um, does play more minutes than almost anyone else in the NBA. As to whether this is going to work, I do agree with um, Chuck, I think, made the point. And I, I think the way that Kyrie's been acting forced the Nets' hand, but they are like, look, we need yeah. insurance policy. Here. Yeah, We've got a short window right. with KD, and we need to max it out, which is what every superstar asks for in the NBA. Do you see it working? I th- this is the tricky question with this: is what what is working? Because does does working mean they have to win the championship? Because for example, I would instantly have them favourites to win the East. So is that does that count as it's worked? Because in my I don't know whether they can overcome the Lakers, but I do think they've got to be the favourites to win the East. I guess just are they going to be a functional team? Because we we said, didn't we, that you can put Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar in a front three and it may not work as smoothly as, well... You might say Liverpool front three, Manet, but we haven't scored in... Yeah, what <laughs> yeah, yeah. once did... In normal um, times. So it is yeah. about everyone knows everyone knows their role and Shannon Sharp worded it better than I possibly ever could, but for Kyrie that didn't like being number two to LeBron, <laughs> I don't know if maybe because it's 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 your mate you, you don't like being like that, but I would think LeBron is kind of LeBron, so maybe you should be able to accept being number two better to better better than someone that you really do think you're on the same level as. And even if he was happy to put KD first, he's not going to feel okay with Harden being first, no. I wouldn't think. No, it's, and it's the, you know, as simple as a player in the same position, theoretically, as him, doing the job he thinks he should be doing. And he, yeah, like you said, he's going to think he's a better player than James Harden. And can have to be told that he's not. He did that interview in... And he was in a worse place mentally than he's obviously been in a long time. He did that interview in pre-season, didn't he, where he said something along the lines of, um, we know that when we have um, like a game-winning shot, we'll be more than happy with the ball being in my hands or the ball being in KD's hands, which I do actually agree. If I have to have the ball in anyone's hands, Kyrie probably is the second man on that list that I want it in. Maybe even the first. I'm not sure if that's wild. Take the ball out of KD's hands, but I would want the ball in Kyrie's hands 
to make a game-winning shot than Harden. But For sure. The way the hierarchy goes, KD has that ball in his hands and he chooses whether he gives it to Kyrie. It's not a case of we share it out, which is what Kyrie seems to suggest in pre-season and he may find himself further down, further down that list there. Yeah, and you can share out as much as you want during a regular season, but really what we're asking here is in a crunch playoff game, is it going to come down to? And like you said, that's going to be all on KD. It's uh, As it stands, though, we are also talking theoretically about Kyrie in terms of, let's say, if he comes back, you assume They reckon he he's back Saturday. You assume he will, but then is it, you know, if he's not having being further, are they going to try and move him on at some point? It's a rough job for a, for a first-team coach in his first season. <laughs> and like, yeah, the, the ego is in that locker room. You can't complain about having three probably top 20 players on the same roster. So but Then he has got a frankless task in that sense, doesn't he? Because he's getting no credit if they do win. They're very and unique personalities as well, aren't they? Like, if you have three LeBrons, and LeBron is kind of the exemplary one to go for it, three LeBrons, say you have three players with that talent, with his attitude, that's a lot different to having Harden, who is uh, clearly just not the most professional, Kyrie, who is very sensitive, and KD, who's maybe more sensitive than, than anyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So managing those personalities isn't your normal kind of issues no it's a, it's a very delicate balance Shannon pointed out saying that it worked with Clay and Steph because KD doesn't need the ball in his hands and the best way I thought about it is when you play 2K as ridiculous as, it, as this <laughs> is you kind of know the players where you can just paint it into their hands and shoot and the players that you do have to have a drive and maybe then go for a step back or drive to the basket. Kyrie, the first thing that gets mentioned about him is his handles. So you're not having him as kind of your catch and shoot player or you're not feeding it into him in the post. So you do kind of want the ball in his hands, playmaking and getting the shots. But then, Harden's probably a better playmaker, so you're in a you're in a tough spot. It's, 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 it's insane. It's going to be very interesting. I think usually has, have, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say I think he has given indications that he will adjust. It's just how much he's going to adjust, and how that happens when the ego comes into play in 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 the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The plus point: if if someone isn't cooking, then you have the other two that that should be able to. LeBron is going to have to, to battle like a team of monsters for this two, twice in the summer. Space Jam 2 coming out, and then he's got these three <laughs> to go up he, against. Again, he's got it's to take on a super team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very... I think if they got matched up tomorrow, I'd take LeBron and AD over the three of them. I don't trust Harden at all. That's been shown. Yeah, for sure every time so I'll go with that I think it's, it's going to be a fun ride seeing what happens they are very easy to root against now yeah they've they've have become the new Warriors in a way in terms of they're going to be one of the hottest tickets in town in terms of you are going to want to see it but you are also going to be hoping quietly maybe a bit louder than quietly 
that it all goes wrong. <laughs> Stefan Clay are a lot more likable than any of those three as well. well. Well, yeah, and I found myself kind of quietly despising them. Yeah. And, yeah. and like you said, they're reasonably likable. So if you've it got... they are Draymond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. He, uh, he took the flack, didn't he? Well, apparently yeah, they're he, trying he, to get he... to Portland. Is that right? Play with Lillard and CJ. Interesting. But I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes on it, won't we, and see what happens. It is going to be one of those as well where we're going to get an idea as the season goes on as to whether it's clicking or not. And they they always talk about chemistry, don't they? And needing time. Yeah. So even if it doesn't initially work, we're gonna we're gonna get an idea. I think six months from now. Yeah, I think that just about does us for today. So thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We will be back next week. We'll also be back on Thursday when we have Edge of Tomorrow up against Enemy of the State. So another movie madness episode for you there. Goodbye.